Welcome to Upstream Downstream, a lively civil discussion devoted to the political, policy, and cultural topics that often divide us. Upstream Downstream is presented by the Stubblefield Institute for Civil Political Communications at Shepherd University in cooperation with WSHC-FM. Here's your host, David Welch. Welcome into our third edition of Upstream Downstream. In 1960, Gallup conducted a poll of American voters that asked, would you object to your son or daughter marrying someone from a different political party? 95% of the parents surveyed said they would not object. But last year, when Gallup asked the same question, they discovered that times have indeed changed. Now, 35% of Republican parents and 45% of Democratic mom and dads would in fact object to their child crossing the aisle to walk down the aisle. Our guests on Upstream Downstream today is a couple who knows all too well the challenges of inter-party marriages. Jason Barrett is a fourth-term Democratic state representative, or as they are called in West Virginia, state delegates. His spouse, Summer Radcliffe Barrett, is a professional Republican consultant and serves on the staff of Republican Governor Jim Justice. Delegate and Mrs. Barrett, welcome to the program. Hi, David. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you, and I appreciate your time. Jason, you supported Joe Biden for president, and Summer, you voted for Donald Trump. Yet, in the middle of the campaign, you get married, and immediately following the elections, you take a 10-day honeymoon. In today's divided America, how is this even possible? Um, well, you, you uh, Sure, I'll answer. Well, <laughs> you know, David, I think that, that we're able to kind of put aside some of our political differences. And, and you know, I think we're both uh, fairly moderates uh, in our party. Uh, and, you know, there's there are times that, as you know, that I certainly disagree with um, some of what the National Democratic Party uh, platform, what's on their platform. And, you know, I think Summer is, is certainly a moderate in the Republican Party. So, you know, we're we're obviously we have lively political discussions daily. Uh, a lot of the times we agree, but sometimes we don't. And, you know, we try to laugh it off at times and, you know, um, we have fun with it, I think, is, is an important element of, of disagreeing and, and, and really not taking it personally uh, or, or making it personal. And, and I think that's the biggest mistake that a lot of folks make in politics, whether they're uh, elected officials or they work in politics or you know they just watch cable news and, and get their information that way. I think that, that they really make it too personal. And, you know, this, this in the country now, it's almost that you don't talk politics. If you have Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner with your family, you're talking politics is almost taboo now that you're not supposed to do that. And I think that that is a big mistake that the society has made that we should be able to have these discussions. We should listen to other people's points of view without getting upset over it. And just because someone disagrees, um, that doesn't mean we have to be enemies. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to come back to that Thanksgiving dinner later in the program, by the way, summer. Um, no, I, I wanted to kind of reiterate what Jason said. I think for both of us, we strive not just in our our relationship and our marriage, but just in life in general um, to be sure to not, you know, for us, politics isn't personal. And we both try very hard to keep it that way. Um, we're both friends with people on both sides of the aisle. And then obviously now we're married and we are we fall on different sides of the aisle. Um, and, and like Jason said, a lot of people have more of a closed minded approach to politics. Um, but thankfully I think we work because we always try to keep an open mind 
And, um, you know, I, I also think in, in our society, a lot of times free and open discussions aren't welcome, like Jason mentioned. Um, and that's just, it's not healthy. It's not, um, it's certainly not a good way to ensure that you have a well-rounded opinion on something. I think it actually helps both Jason and I form better opinions about issues when we can stand in the kitchen or sit in the living room and have a debate back and forth about something. And, you know, I may have read something that Jason didn't read and we can talk about it. And, you know, maybe we walk away. Well, usually we walk away from the discussion knowing more about a topic or having a better understanding. We, We might not ever come to an agreement on it. We might still disagree on it, but we at least understand the opposition or the opposing opinion um, in a, I guess, a better way. And that helps us have a, a more informed opinion on whatever the, the topic of the day is. Yeah, that's music to my ears to hear uh, people being able to talk across the aisle, especially because I want your marriage to succeed. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I assume that you, Jason, uh, are a proud and loyal Democrat and some of you could be probably called a proud and loyal Republican. Uh, despite the fact that neither one of you are on the fringes of your party, as you had established earlier. But I am interested, Jason, why are you a Democrat and Summer, why are you a Republican? And why does that matter to uh, both of you? Well, I mean, it's it's a good question. It's actually a question I haven't been asked in in a very long time. And, um, you know, I'm I've always said, David, as you know, that that I think there's a big difference between a West Virginia Democrat and a national Democrat. And I think that uh, if you look um, at at historically what the Democratic Party has stood for, um, you know, back uh, under Franklin Roosevelt and John Kennedy and Lyndon Johnson about standing up for working people. And and sometimes, um, you know, it's portrayed now with the National Democratic Party that they're the party of coastal elites. And, you know, sometimes that, that rubs me the wrong way a little bit when I see, you know, Nancy Pelosi or AOC making some kind of a comment that, that really, I think, goes against the, the history of what the Democratic Party has stood for. And, you know, I, I think it's the party of working people. I think it's the party of of uh, inclusion uh, and, and fairness to people. And uh, so those are the reasons that, that I'm a Democrat. And, and again, there um, the, the whole um, uh, economic uh, or fiscal conservatism, uh, I think that Democrats should look to be a little more fiscally conservative than they have been in the past several years. Certainly in West Virginia, the De- West Virginia Democratic Party has uh, always been fiscally conservative, um, I feel, and when when the Democratic Party held control of the legislature for 83 or 84 years. Uh, so I would really like to see the Democratic Democratic Party get back to its roots a little more, uh, but really be the party uh, to champion working people uh, and champion the inclusion of all people. So I'm go ahead and tell him he's wrong and tell me why you're a Republican. <laughs> I'm going to get a, I'm going to try and get an argument going here. Well, the whole time I was thinking, no, the Republican Party is the party of working people. <laughs> <laughs> why did I know you were going to say that? <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think uh, for me, this the uh, being a Republican I've, I've always been a Republican. I grew up in a Republican household. Um, my grandma was a Republican, although she did not vote along party lines. She was the first one to teach me, uh, I guess, about bipartisanship. So maybe I can credit her with uh, my my ability to get along with Jason. Um, you know, she always would sit down at the library before 
internet was readily available to everyone. And she would research every candidate before she voted for them. Um, but she was um, still a fiscal conservative and she was pretty socially conservative. And I kind of um, took on a lot of her characteristics. Um, I'm adamantly pro-life. So that, um, you know, is, is that's a very important social issue to me. Um, and I am very fiscally conservative in my beliefs. Um, and I, I do think the Republican Party of today rep- far more rep- better represents working people and um, has done a very good job nationally um, becoming more relevant to hardworking Americans um, in even in suburban America. Um, obviously, this last president presidential election was slightly different. Um, but I think overall, if, I mean, you can look at the way that the congressional races went. I think the Republican Party is doing a very good job um, representing those hardworking people more so than the National Democratic Party. And even in West Virginia, um, obviously, the state at the state level, the Republican Party is now um, has a larger majority than what they have in, I don't know, forever, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It's the 20s. Yeah. Yeah, which I, w- I wanted to ask you is, is in the Barrett household, when you say things like that, Summer, is gloating allowed in the Barrett household? Uh, it's encouraged and scored. <laughs> <laughs> just just checking in on that one. Yeah, Obviously. Have, you know, before every election, we have a... Uh, a piece of paper that we write down our where we go back and forth and predict write down our predictions on every race both you know locally here in the house of delegates in uh west virginia senate races and then we'll do statewide races and we do national races um and we at the end you know once the elections are all over we go through and we count up and see who wins <laughs> um and and i would like the record to show that i've won this year's uh, battle. Well, that's a great segue because actually my next question was going to point out, we've already established that you were on different sides of the presidential race, but as I count the other contests on the ballot, going down the ballot, there were seven other statewide contests, including one for governor and U.S. Senate, and then six legislative and local partisan elections as well. By my count, that's 14 elections, including yours, Jason, and I'm interested, how many of those, without naming names or offices, how many of those 14 did you agree on? Actually, I think we agreed on, we accurately, or, or we predicted them. Very no, I'm soon. not asking you what you predicted. I was asking you how you voted. Oh, oh, oh not very many. <laughs> <laughs> not, very, not very many is a, is a good enough answer. Yeah, but, we, but it does it does beg the question though did you vote democratic for state representative or state delegate oh did i yes oh yes of oh, course okay because i i know people would want to know that jason I might want to know that, that. i'm not sure <laughs> that's one place you're a committed ticket splitter when it comes to your husband i guess yeah okay yeah. well that's I mean, that, that kind of goes back to what i was mentioning with my grandma um i don't think there have been too many elections that i've voted in that i've voted 100% straight Republican ticket. Um, I, you know, if there's a time where I feel like the the Democrat better represents my beliefs or the state of West Virginia, 
I, I don't, I'm not completely opposed to voting for that person. Um, I don't dry, draw a hard line in the sand and say, I'm never going to vote for a Democrat. Um, I have in the past and I obviously voted for Jason this time. <laughs> obviously one of the reasons that we affiliate with a political party or is because we agree with the issues that they support or the issues that they oppose. You mentioned abortion is one of them. But is there an issue, a reoccurring issue, in which the two of you just say, hey, we're just going to agree to disagree on that issue, and that's just going to be fine? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that the biggest thing that we disagree on is probably labor unions, right? Yeah, and some of the, the, the pro-life a little bit at times. Uh, you know, I'm yeah. uh, primarily pro-choice, but with some uh, restrictions. And, um, you know, I understand that that. Abortion should be rare, safe, and legal uh, in this country, and that's my opinion. Um, but I think there there can be some restrictions uh, on on abortions uh, in in West Virginia and, on, and in the country. But um, some of the the, the labor issues, um, you know, that's back to the Democrats standing up for working people and, and giving them the right to unionize if they so choose. So, um, and you know, I, and I come from a business background. I own a couple of small businesses in the Eastern Panhandle, but I, I do recognize. Uh, the importance uh, of labor and um, certainly uh, with the mine workers in West Virginia, uh, which is uh, one of the most dangerous occupations uh, in the country. Uh, and, and a lot of times, you know, labor gets labor unions um, get a bad rap for, for some of the protections of their employees. But really, I look at it from a safety standpoint uh, in a lot of uh, large manufacturing businesses uh, or in coal mining. Our guests today on Upstream Downstream are the Barretts of Martinsburg, West Virginia. Jason Barrett is a state delegate representing the city of Martinsburg and other portions of Berkeley County, West Virginia. Summer Ratcliffe is a professional Republican consultant and currently a member of Republican Governor Jim Justice's staff. I'm interested in how the two of you met, and as politicians of opposite parties, what obstacles did you face in those early days? Uh, well, our, <laughs> we actually met originally uh, at the county fair, the Berkeley County Fair. I was working at the Republican Party booth and Jason was working at the Democratic Party booth. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, it doesn't get it doesn't get much better than that. Um, yeah, we just, I mean, we just so happened to both be there that night. And then um, I we had a mutual friend that kind of you know, not really played matchmaker, but helped us connect after that. Um, and as far as difficulties, um, there, I think there has been um, certainly times where we have been, well, I have, I think I've faced a lot of criticism and bullying from certain groups. Um, I don't know that you've necessarily experienced that but no they realize i don't care what their opinion is so. <laughs> <laughs> i don't think they try to pull me too much yeah um it, there i think there are definitely challenges because a lot of people don't understand how we could exist like we do um because i think you know we've already mentioned a lot of people approach politics from a very closed-minded perspective and they're not open to um any other ideas and they don't want to have a free and open discussion about anything. Um, and they can't understand how in the world we could coexist in this home and disagree on something. Um, but I always, I try to remind people, I mean, 
in, in any marriage, do you agree 100% with your spouse on every topic? Um, you know, it, it just, that's, I, I don't know that that would even be healthy. Um, of course, you're going to disagree with your spouse. And one of our disagreements is sometimes on politics. <laughs> um, you know, but there have definitely been times where I have been bullied by people and um, her, not harassed, but there have been times where people question my loyalty to uh, the party or my boss or um, I don't know, just in general, they don't trust that I could be married to a Democrat, but remain loyal to the party and my boss. Um, well, we get back to that Gallup poll that I cited at the beginning of the program, too, and it's kind of related that uh, these days, not only do by growing numbers, we not only not want our children to marry across the party, but we don't want to be we don't we don't want our friends to cross the aisle on the other party. And there's too much of that, and you guys are are, are fighting that, and it's actually very refreshing. Yeah, and I mean, I think we, I mentioned this before. We both have a lot of friends um, across party lines, so for us, it was I don't think it was that unusual that we would form a relationship with someone that, that we didn't fully agree with politically. Um, I think there, are, I mean, even, you know, we've, we've had dinners where we all, we come together with different people just to talk about politics. Um, I think we both enjoy that. And thankfully our closest friends um, are kind of the same way. Let's talk about America's political environment today. Uh, one that I would define as somewhat angry and divisive. I think there's little disagreement on that. Many people feel polarized uh, or just have stopped talking about politics altogether for fear of alienation and judgment, actually. What advice can the two of you offer to those of us who feel estranged from family and friends over politics? Well, I think it goes back to not taking it personally. And, um, you know, if you're at Thanksgiving dinner and the topic comes up, um, you know, take a deep breath before you respond and, and try to try to, uh, and I hate to say this, but, you know, try to um, put yourself in the shoes of, of the person you're listening to. And I know that probably sounds cliche, but um, everyone has a different perspective uh, and they have different backgrounds and that's how they get that perspective. And and simply because they disagree doesn't necessarily make them wrong. It might make them wrong in your eyes, but um, I, I, it's just so frustrating to me that, that constantly watch people get uh, upset and, and take things so personally um, just because they disagree. And, you know, if and I'm not trying to make light of, of the importance of politics, but, you know, a lot of us disagree all over our football team or we disagree over a, a college or, or so many other things. And we don't take that personally. We don't get um, you know, we don't refuse to go to Thanksgiving dinner because our cousin's a Ravens fan, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but but we may do that because they're a Republican or a Democrat. And I think it's just foolish um, to do that, to to allow your political views to alienate your friends and family, uh, I think people just need to sit back and, and and think about that for a minute. That you know, I'm not going to go spend time with my loved one uh, because they're a Donald Trump supporter, um, and that doesn't make them a bad person. It might make them wrong. It, it, uh, you know, they, they may be wrong on issues in your mind, but but they're still a good person. They still want um, good things for their state and their country. And I think that when when I work in the legislature, there may be a Republican that gets up and gives some what I'm believed to be a crazy uh, speech uh, from someone that's that's really extreme and closed-minded on uh, inclusion of of maybe the LGBTQ community. Um, 
but at the end of the day, when there's another issue, I may have to go work with that person. And, and I think that they're completely wrong on that issue, on, on the LGBTQ issue, but but they may, I may be able to go work with them on something else. And um, I, I do the best uh, I can to not um, question people's motives. And I think that's the difference is that I may question their judgment. I may think they're completely wrong, but I think their motives, I, I don't question their motives or I try not to, that, that I think all the colleagues that I serve with in the West Virginia legislature want West Virginia to be a better place. Um, we just have different views of how to get there. I think that one of the, and I, I like your answer, but it's it, sometimes it can be more challenging than than what you think. You can say we need to listen to one another. We, we need to not take it personal. But in today's environment, what I see sometimes, and I'll just use this as an example, that if, if you say to someone who thinks Donald Trump is evil, and you say to that person, well, I'm for Donald Trump, there's this, there's this um, uh, thing that happens that they now think you're evil because you like Donald Trump. I mean, it gets to be that, that, and then there is no conversation after that because they've already defined you as evil. And I'm sure it works the other way as well. But that's the environment that we're in. Summer, is there any thoughts that you might have on how to jump over that fence with another person or, or are we just too far gone for that? Well, I mean, I think it's, important to remember that politics is just a, a person's political affiliation is just one part of of them um you know jason and i for instance we're we are so much more than just you know i'm a republican he's a democrat there are four more things that we enjoy and we do and we talk about than just politics sure for us i mean we live in this world every day so for us it's a little more um, than just someone who votes a certain way and the rest of their life isn't dominated by it. Um, I mean, I think people would, it would do everyone <laughs> good to not dwell on it so much. Um, I mean, in my opinion, sure, voting for the president and um, the, the congressional members, it's, ob- it's very important. Um, but does it... Does it affect our lives, uh, you know, over the last four years? Has Donald Trump really affected our lives in a, in a huge way? I, I don't think so. Um, and, that, and I'm not just saying that about President Trump. I'm saying that just about the president in general. You know, the changes at the national level happen very slowly. Um, and I think they have less impact on our daily lives than say the state level races or, you know, what Jason can accomplish in the West Virginia house of delegates is, you know, it moves quickly. It happens very fast. And those things really affect our lives. Um, So why do we place such great emphasis and and define people by who they vote for, for president? Um, I just, I think overall people would, would be able to function you know, with those that they don't necessarily agree with if they put less emphasis on it. Yeah, I bring this whole topic up of how we communicate with loved ones and friends or former friends in some cases and family members. It's interesting to me because in my own family, I have a son who identifies with the progressive left and then a son-in-law who wears a MAGA hat. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but, but, But as Jason said, they both love their country. They just love it in different ways. And I think maybe that's where we have to push the reset button if there is any hope 
of restoring constructive uh, civil discourse and having a mindset that just because we disagree, it doesn't mean I'm all wrong and or I'm all right and you're all wrong. And I, I experience that almost on a daily basis these days, talking to people. There's this I'm all right and you're all wrong mentality. And bridging that in how we interact with people. And I know the two of you love to go to dinner parties where uh, the whole table is uh, filled with people that disagree with you. I mean, you get a charge out of that. And I think we need to get back to that place again someday. Well, and David, I, I, to your point, I, I think that one of the biggest reasons that if you look at that Gallup poll that you've mentioned a couple of times, the change from 1960 to change to now, uh, I think largely has a, a lot to do with cable news. And it, when you watch cable news, whichever side you're on, it is so slanted and so skewed to one side and and, and people don't do their own research uh, anymore. They just take what they see on on, on uh, cable news as the gospel. And or, social media. And that's what I was getting ready to say, uh, is that on social media now, people don't even read the stories. They scan through their Facebook feed and they, they read the, the headline, um, that whatever it could be, crazy on one side or the other, and they just say, okay, well, that's 100% the truth. And they allow it in their mind to... Um, to become something it's not. And then they start to, you know, when they get in an argument or a debate with somebody of the opposite party, they just cite all these things that they either heard on, on uh, cable news or little headlines or, or just phrases or, or maybe one or two sentences that they saw on social media without really understanding the full story. Campaigns we know, guys, you've been through tough campaigns, both of you as managers and as candidates. You know they can be rough and tumble at times. Is there such a thing in, as ethics in politics or in political campaigns in today's political world? And how would you define ethics? Well, and, and I've certainly been in some heated campaigns before, and I've you know taken some shots, and I've thrown a few. So um, I think there is or there should be uh, ethics in, in campaigns uh, and, and whatever mail piece or ads that you're running. Um, and, and I draw the line at, at uh, someone's... Uh, Personally, if I won't attack somebody's personally, I, I won't attack somebody's family. I won't attack um, anything like that. But if it comes to their 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 voting record, if they're an elected official already, uh, if they've taken a made a statement on a particular issue, um, uh, those things I think are free game. Uh, now I think that you still need to do it in a respectful way, um, and, and you know try to focus on what the truth is. And, and so many times in these ads, they give you just a real little clip of, of, of the whole story. And, um, you know, things get twisted and um, spun, obviously. But um, I draw the line that, you know, I'm not going to, I run against a, a former delegate and, and was able to unseat him. And then he came back and, and beat me two years later. Um, and, and we took shots at one another. But in my view, they were never personal. Uh, and I, hopefully he believes that the same thing. And um, But I have uh, been personally attacked from outside groups. And I think that's the biggest problem um, in campaigns right now. It's not the ads that the candidates run. It's the ads that outside groups with some colorful, loving sounding name, um, you know, West Virginians for a better tomorrow or something. Like, and that's completely made up. That's not an actual group. But things like that that make you sound like make it sound like they're they're these wonderful, noble people. Um, and you don't know where the money comes from. The ordinary voter doesn't uh, understand where that money comes from. Um, and and there's, those are the tax that, that I don't like because you, you can't put if no one takes ownership of 
of that particular attack or that ad. Um, and, and, and that is, and then when that happens, then the candidate has to respond if they don't have an outside group um, you know, that has their back uh, and that retaliates, then, then the candidate has to get down in the mud. And David, you've been around politics and campaigns long enough. You know, when you get attacked, you if you're explaining, you're losing. If you get attacked, you have to attack back. And, and that's the unfortunate reality. Uh, and what I say is when they throw rocks at me, I throw grenades back at them. Um, and I think that, um, you know, it's unfortunate that you have to do that. But um, at the end of the day, you're, you're trying to win a campaign. And now you have a Republican co-pilot, right, Summer? Right, yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Running, uh, working on campaigns together has actually been fun. <laughs> Thank you both for being our guest today, uh, West Virginia delegate Jason Barrett and Summer Ratcliffe Barrett. Happy Thanksgiving to both of you. Happy Thanksgiving, Happy Thanksgiving. thanks, David. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. You've been listening to Upstream Downstream on WSHC FM on the campus of Shepherd University in Shepherdstown, West Virginia. Our program is sponsored by the Stubblefield Institute for Civil Political Communications and its Listen, Learn, Engage initiative seeking to prepare future health professionals and teachers for leadership and civic engagement roles as they work on the front lines of a COVID-infested world. And that will do it for today's edition of Upstream Downstream. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week uh, with another edition. I want to thank our producer, Sarah Burke, and our assistant producer and editor, Bianca Eisen. Until next week, I'm David Welch. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Upstream Downstream. Presented by the Stubblefield Institute for Civil Political Communications at Shepherd University. To learn more about the Stubblefield Institute or to become a friend of the Institute, please go online to stubblefieldinstitute.org.